spiritual advisory. Yes. yes. Uh, that is a podcast by the beautiful Myla and the wonderful Mark Marcus. Um, and uh, before I turn to Marcus, I think that I would like in this space pay tribute to the Mahati community that has brought us here for the past two years. It is thanks to you, friends, Inibar, Marina, Jeremy, uh, Jeff, and all the others that are not here. You have created that space that has allowed us from different faiths, different backgrounds, different horizons to come in and feel safe to talk about our own journey in the spiritual world. And with that, I will turn to Mr. Marcus for the introductory. The first thing, Roger can speak up a little bit because everybody's voice has to carry. Mm -hmm. So, 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 just so you do like this. <laughs> <laughs> That's the universal sign for us. Speak up. <laughs> oh, it is a blessing. It is a blessing to be here. I am thankful to say, welcome to Spiritual Advisory Podcast with Marcus and Myra, and oh, we have the lovely, wonderful meaningful conversations with us recording live. It is beautiful to be here. And before we start, I do want to read what Meaningful Conversation is. Meaningful Conversations is inspired by the Baha'i faith and Baha'i writings as a worldwide effort by Baha'is and non-Baha'is in order to build bridges of unity and respect for all humanity. The effort is put forth by the Baha'i community to serve the community by discussing spiritual themes to enhance our intellectual and spiritual perception and help us continue to grow spiritually. So we are blessed to be here with our family today. We are definitely blessed. From this point, I'm going to let our facilitators do their thing. Okie dokie. <coughs> okay, we're just gonna do a little slight housekeeping rules because we you know you have to do them every week because you never know. Um, so if everybody can turn to this page here, our conversation guidelines. Everyone encouraged to participate, listen to understand, value everyone's contribution, respect each person, express views, but keep an open heart and mind, avoid discussion of partisan politics, because we don't want to fight, and, <laughs> and maintain a humble posture of learning. And next week, the conversation topic would be, does character matter anymore? Did you have a good question for this week? Introductory question? Oh, you put me like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, now that I'm going to come up with one event in the next 30 seconds, oh. mm -hmm. is that welcome all. Um, tell us a little bit. So, we're going to make a round. Tell us your name, where you're coming from, and what brought you to meaningful conversation. The question would be, what about yourself will you no longer tolerate this year? Mm. Mm. That's a good question. Okay, so my name is Tamira, aka Mark, and um, I came here from Philadelphia, but I'm originally from New Jersey. And I discovered meaningful conversations, I want to say 2019, 18, feels like so long ago. Um, and I was in search of a community that I could speak openly with, be vulnerable, that was positive, and like I prayed for this environment, and I got it. Um, 
and I'm like very thankful for each one of you. Um, and I guess one thing that I'm not tolerating this year is kind of like my own self procrastination. Like, if I say I'm going to do something for myself, and it's it's only my procrastination, like what is with myself. If I tell someone else I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. But I notice that I like I neglect myself, so that I'm no longer doing. That's it for me for 2023, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, oh, here from Washington Heights. Um, Oh, really? <laughs> I did bring the accused being loved. Okay. <laughs> from Washington Heights and uh, see, came in here for meaningful conversations for a lot of reasons. Coming in here today for podcast and meeting Lyra and Marcus for the first time together. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> so let's see, um, something that I would like to let go of, not put up with, that's not hard. Um, negative self-talk and and putting out your flipping energies. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with that. Your turn. Okay. Hello, everyone. My name is Kayla. I'm from the Lower East Side, Manhattan. Um, I was brought here in search of guidance, I'd say. Mm-hmm. And something I'm not tolerating for myself this year is putting too much weight on how other people feel about me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There we go. That's Hi family, my name is Betty, and um, yeah, I, I really like what Myra said. I had a similar uh, experience where I set intention to the universe to find my soul family and my spirit tribe, and, and meaningful conversations manifested in my life. And um, something that I'm not tolerating with this year, I guess would be, um, I really love to judge my judging thoughts. So I'm going to try to not judge when I'm judging. <laughs> and then we'll work on not judging later. <laughs> now I'm going to try to judge the judge, not judge the judge. Hi everyone, I'm Mike. I'm coming from Yankee Stadium. I actually rode my bike here. Um, and I used to come here about three years ago before the pandemic, so this is the first time back. And I came because I enjoy the spiritual <coughs> conversations. I feel like it enriches me. It's like a form of therapy almost. Yes, yes. yes. And uh, the one thing that I want to be stronger in, I'm going to say, so I'm not being negative, I want to say that I want to be more assertive and be confident when I am assertive and not doubt myself. Uh, my name's Lloyd. Um, I'm originally from Baltimore, and um, but I live in Harlem. And I was invited to the conversation a while back ago, but I couldn't get all the stars and the moon, and then the pandemic happened. <laughs> and then all of the stars and the moon <laughs> started lining up, and it really made it possible for me to be here. So I just want to support right now. Um, my name is Mosin, and uh, <clears throat> no, man, come on, give me a break. <laughs> uh, I've, been, I've been coming to this group for 2019. Um, now I don't remember anyone's name, but I still know the faces. And uh, then I haven't thought about what I, I don't have any new year resolutions, so to speak, but I was physically very active pre pandemic with racquetball and tennis. And uh, 
sort of after pandemic, it fell off. The routine is hard to get back on. So that's pretty much when I'm supposed to be back in gym with my group this Monday. So it'll be back on track, but nothing major. Hi, my name is Steven. Uh, I too came here before the pandemic. I, I came late, I missed <coughs> the introductory question. But what about yourself you no longer tolerate this year? Um, falling, <laughs> falling into routines rather than habits. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm Jeremy. Um, walked from up the street, um, originally from the West. Um, meaningful conversation. I mean, it's the people in the community. I mean, I think there was one day where. Um, Sometimes as a, as a teacher, you're tired on the weekend, and so I'm like, oh no, I'm getting out of the house on Saturday. But then I was like, well, no, so and so and so and so are going to be there, then I have to go. Um, I think that. And, and also the fact that people pop in and out. So some people here that we met online, some people from years ago, and they often come back to something familiar. You know, there's something familiar about how it feels and, and who's there. Um, and half the time it's from the people who aren't talking as much as people are talking. So um, I really those things about it. Um, for the upcoming year, I think I like a little more boredom, you know, and the less, um, <laughs> the less as soon as something stops, reach for the phone for that hit of news or this, that, or whatever, to just let the mind wander a little bit and, and think about what's wandering about. Mm, my name is Maria. Uh, I am originally from Colombia. I've been living in New York for a while, for a long time, and like over 15 years and uh, five in Harlem um, with Jeremy. And um, meaningful conversations have become uh, my family. <laughs> uh, just like when I think of like, okay, what are like friends that I can, and it's so strange because we don't see each other every day. We don't talk to each other. Well, we chat sometimes and things like that. But if the feeling of, of nearness, of closeness that, I, that we have built, um, and meaning, right? So the, the name of the, like, the meaningful, it would re really feel like I have had moments and conversations with uh, a lot of you guys uh, that have been transformative for me and, and profound and have made me close to to each other, you know, in, in very deep, deep ways. Um, so, and I have seen also that the, each one, like, just the, just the time and the, the yeah, incredibly, incredibly valuable. Um, I, um, think something I want to let go, kind of let go of. Um, I think a combination of like, like regretting anything from the past, as well as um, self doubt on like present or future. Like, I think. Sometimes I find myself centered and breathing and in the present moment, and sometimes my mind goes to these places. Uh, so I think 
let go of that more and more and be more present, breathe more. Hello everyone and family. My name is Marcus and I'm from Virginia. Oh, um, I know I've personally mentioned this, but and similar to what Myra said, like to for for me in getting here to this point, I had to pray for this. And I had to know what I wanted to pray for. Mm -hmm. That I wanted great people, not just good people, but great people within a family circle that you feel comfortable. You feel that you're able to be vulnerable. And to have that, I mean, some people can walk and stumble upon it, but it took me to pray. And I'm glad that I prayed for this. I really am. And one thing that I'm not going to tolerate uh, going on into 2023, um, I find myself not being so pensive. And by pensive, I mean like always feeling tense or feeling like I can't be in the moment. So I'm challenging myself to take more challenges, to put myself out there, to try avenues that I wouldn't typically try. So that's definitely something I'm not gonna tolerate. Christian um, in Harlem. And one of our many meaningful conversations was um, my friend Rhea. Um, she and I, we, I met her at a bus stop. And, um, and we started talking, and she said, you know, you have a lot of energy. So I said, you do too. <laughs> and, so, um, and so she told me about the group. And so, because um, she used to come. And so the first day I came, um, I met Jeremy and Maria and Besad and Nashon and, 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 uh, and Mina. And, and I was like, okay, these are some cool folks. So I would say that for me, it was more of a um, situation of trying to find um, elements that are conducive to your energy, where you can shine on them, and they can shine on you, and y'all can shine together. Um, and the thing I'm not going to tolerate this year is I'm a busybody. <laughs> I have to slow down. Um, I'm getting old, so um, <laughs> so I just need to you know relax, relate, release. And um, somebody told me that um, another thing that I could probably do better with is um, I'm really hard on myself. I mean, like bad. So um, so one of the things I was going to start doing this year was. Um, or not going to tolerate this year is let anything negative permeate my spirit where I feel like it's changing me. Um, so that's my thing for the year. Thank you. Andrea, I'm from New Jersey. My niece piqued my interest to come here. Uh, one thing that I think I'm working on to not tolerate is intentional, ongoing, unhealthy behaviors mm -hmm. from people. So that's my goal. That's a good one. Yes, I was <laughs> doing I'm and uh, I live in Harlem. Uh, what brings me here to this space uh, is the collective effort towards building unity, you know, in, in our community and in the world, essentially. Um, I think there are a lot of forces of disintegration in the world right now. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just really grateful that the friends that, that have been coming to Meaningful Conversations have taken ownership, you know, and they're like, they're like participating and facilitating, and they're, they're, it's, it's, it's a community effort. It's not just, you know, a couple of people's efforts. So I'm, I'm really grateful that like-minded people 
working towards the same goal uh, to make the community more wholesome for everyone and, uh, and, and creating that unity, which may seem very far, but it has to start from somewhere. Mm -hmm. You know, um, as far as what I would like to let go or not tolerate this year is um, expectations, you know, uh, from just others. You know, there are a lot of times I feel like there are efforts, you know, a lot, you know, that that are being made and you expect others to also like, you know, do, do things, especially at work, and, and that could lead to a lot of like frustration. And I just wanna be able to be free of that. You know, I just do my part, you know, and not necessarily um, be concerned with that other part, so. My name is Anna, and I'm from Holland. Um, I discovered um, Meaningful Conversation uh, through Facebook, actually. You had an online invitation, and it was at a time where I was deep in spirituality, and I needed to have a space where I could share that, where I could be just me and be able to talk about the source without feeling uh, judging eyes or judgmental, you know. And um, that's what I found in Meaningful Conversation, a wonderful group of friends but I have become family, uh, that I kind of am totally me with no apologies and with all my vulnerabilities. And it's a beautiful space to be. Um, what I would like um, so my experience is different because it's not that I want to change something, but it's that um, it's Maria's fault and Jeremy's. <laughs> they gave me a book, but basically it's called Prescription for Living, but gave me the validation I was looking for for being a very grumpy person. <laughs> it is. And this book, for me, is transformational. And I am forever grateful uh, for you guys for putting it, for having contact with me, you related to me, and I bought it. It's a book that I needed at this time, where being direct and with no agenda is question because people don't understand why are you so blunt or why are you so direct? Why are you so honest? And that book, the offer, sometimes I, I would look at the line and I share with Maria and I say, but you're insulting me, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I will go with that. It gave me the validation because I found a favorite spirit, even though she is no longer here. I found the kindred spirit that was always, almost telling me, yeah, it's okay to be, you know, it's okay to be who you are. And I recommend it. It's not for everyone, but I will recommend it. 
enjoying a deeper conversation that explores the role of spirituality in moving beyond tolerance, unify, and strengthen our communities. We will begin our exploration of this topic with a selection of passages from the Baha'i writings, which will help us to consider the following questions. How does a recognition of oneness of humanity help us move beyond tolerance and towards appreciating the strength of diversity? How can these principles help us transform, unify, and strengthen our communities? And what role does justice play in contributing to this transformation? And the following quote is, love, all, love ye all religions and all races with a love that is true and sincere, and show that love through deeds and not through the tongue. So what we'll do is um, each um, section has, um, has three passages to it. And so we'll go in a circle and each read one, and then we'll take a, uh, take a beat and debrief and you know, have some internal dialogue with ourselves. And if something moves you or if you feel compelled to, to share what that thought leads you to, then we'll just go from there. So um, we'll start with uh, we'll start with Tamira, and then we'll, um, we'll work our way that way. Moving beyond power. This limited universe is like the human body, all the members of which are connected and linked with one another with the greatest strength. How much, how much the organs, the members, and the parts of the body of man are intermingled and connected for mutual aid and help, and how much they influence one another. In the same way, the parts of this infinite universe have their members and elements connected with one another and influence one another spiritually and materially. The diversity in the human family should be the cause of love and harmony, as it is in music where many different notes blend together in the making of a perfect chord. If you meet those of a different race and color from yourself, do not mistrust them and withdraw yourself into your shell of conventionality, but rather be glad and show them kindness. You must manifest complete love and affection toward all mankind. Do not exalt yourselves above others, but consider all as your equals, recognizing them as servants of one God. Know that God is compassionate toward all. Therefore, love from the depths of your heart. Prefer all religionists before yourself. Be filled with love for every race and be kind toward the people of all nationalities. Okay, so, so we'll just absorb what we just read. And um, if, if, if something motivates you and, and you feel compelled or something to you a certain way, just feel free to share it. Um, once we get a dialogue going, just to keep the pace, uh, we'll just raise our hands then. But for the most part, just go right ahead and say what you feel. I'll start. Um, I really like numbers one and three. Number one, I mean, it, it comes across in these writings a lot. They use this imagery of like different things, and in this they're talking about the different pieces of a human body. You know, sometimes we talk about the limbs of a tree, the leaves on it, like just all this different symbolism to, to utilize the fact that we are one, you know, and I love when they use imagery like that because it makes it a little bit more digestible for my mind to understand that we really are one. And then in this last one, uh, in, in number three, it says, know that God is compassionate toward all. And I love that, you know, like it's not talking about a condemning God who only, 
you know, loves a particular kind of person, or if you act a certain way, then you're bestowed with grace. It's saying that God is compassionate towards all. And um, I think I'll just share like this little thing that came up for me while while I was reading this. I recently have done a couple of podcasts about like spiritual experiences, near-death experiences. And I was on this one woman's podcast, and I guess she's like a, a born-again Christian. I didn't know that like when I came and did the podcast. And so, you know, like, it got like a great response, like tens of thousands of people watched it. And then there was all these comments, and they were like, this woman is the devil. Listen to what she's talking about. And I was like, oh my God, Christians don't like me. And, but you know, like they all were like spewing scripture at me, telling me why, what my life was before will condemn me for the rest of forever. It doesn't matter what path I'm on now. And I just thought that it was, it made me so compassionate towards them, you know, that like, I mean, and, and also I judged it too, you know, cause I'm like, wow, they really misinterpreted like a whole, a whole religion, but like that's where they are, you know? But just reading this, you know, like this gives me so much faith that like, well, you know, if 15 of us are reading this and, and it resonates for us, then there's definitely 15 other people that it resonates for. And um, anyway, that came up for me because yeah, the idea of separateness, you know, it, it's, yeah, I, I spent so much of my life being so separate from other people and you know, having all these compartments in my head about who people were just by judging them by looking at them or something about them. And yeah, I'm just, yeah, I'm just, I'm really grateful to be on a path where this is the kind of information that fills my head now, reading, you know, like this. So thanks for letting me share. Um, I can go. So I really like how the second one in particular. Um, if you meet those of a different race and color from yourself, do not mistrust them and withdraw yourself into your shell of conventionality, but rather be glad and show them kindness. I feel like this happens so much, and I don't think that it's necessarily racism all the time. I think it's just people being scared mm -hmm. and people being afraid that they're going to be rejected or misunderstood, but I think that we have more in common than we do not like not having common and if we just have a conversation like it just starts with a conversation if we just have a conversation then we can see like oh okay well you feel this way about this matter too are you you know are you experienced this maybe it's in a different way that we experience it but we're going through similar situations and i think that like this is this is how it starts this is how it starts by like being you know what i know what i've heard i've heard these stereotypes but so what I'm gonna go for it anyway, and I'm gonna I'm gonna see who this individual is. But I really I really like that part because I, I feel like I see this a lot. I have to 100% agree with you because one of the things that because um, I agree with number two two one of the things I noticed is that um, when I see somebody do something that's a little off or that people um, purport to be racist, I just look at it like more people are ignorant mm -hmm. and scared than there are that are racist. You know, so my first inclination is not that you're racist, it's just that you don't know any better. Um, and so that it in itself kind of builds that bridge to get to know people. Um, and I like how Benny was saying, uh, he points a lot of uh, nature references and whatnot. I agree, and I also notice it uses a lot of musical references. Because um, we've all heard a song with a bad note in it, where you just stop, you're like, er? 
<laughs> that's the same way it feels when, when there's an ugly energy around. You, you kind of feel that way too. Mm -hmm. And there's a difference to ugly energy than there is to an ugly spirit. Like, they're, they, uh, one of them you can work with. One of them you can. But, um, so I just think that it's very um, poignant that it's phrased the way that it is in number two. You know what? I'm kind of reminded, and, and I just want to let the audience and listeners know, like, don't be afraid of the ambient noise. This is New York City, okay? We're, we're, we're in a wonderful place here. But it, it, it kind of reminds me of how we were talking, like, kind of earlier. And when it, come, well, when it comes to tolerance, right, we, we, we had this deep discussion of, like, what, what, what is tolerance? Is it acceptance? But we came to the conclusion of it's neither acceptance nor tolerance, but it's like a maturity. It's a, it's a maturity to it. And I think number two really shows, like, the, the positive aspect of that maturity, where it's saying, like, if you meet those of a different race and color from yourself, do not mistrust them from first glance. Don't distrust them because you just see them and, you're, and you don't recognize. It's, it's trying to allow people to understand, like, hey, like, take the time to be mature and get to know the person for that person. You can't sit there and say, well, because of a skin color or because of a hair type or because of you're different, I can't, I can't trust you, I can't respect you. It's like get to know the soul, get to know the individual and take that maturity. So I think with accept, acceptance, tolerance, whether that's on a negative spectrum or a positive spectrum, it's really the maturity of the person who's, I don't want to say judge, but the person who should be able to sit there and be like, you know what, I'm going to be a decent human being, so this other person has the chance to be a decent human being. Do you addressed what for me is one of the biggest illnesses in our society and our civilization and ever and has ever been on this planet, ignorance. Mm. I, in my during my lifetime, if there's one thing that I've consistently seen among across the board among everybody, everybody is ignorance, yeah. and I never understood it until I was my late at least my late twenties. I just never understood it. It was like, why are they so ignorant? I could never understand, mm. and I saw it all the time. Or why people would treat people different because they're not like them. It, it just baffled me for years. I just never understood it. And, pe and people who were very different from me would always be attracted to want to talk to me. It never ever entered my mind there was anything weird about that. Like, why would there be? Other people would be like, you're talking to them. I'd be like, what's the matter with you? Mm -hmm. what's, what are you talking about? Why does it disturb you that you would talk to them? Why? And I've encountered that all my life. And I, in recent times, I simply understand that there's such a limiting belief in pretty much everybody I've ever met of that somebody who's different is not like them or like somebody they shouldn't talk to or not equal in some way. And that's just always been the most ridiculous thing that there is. I, I go, that goes back to as far as I can remember, I don't know, 11, 12 years old, maybe earlier, that I just found it confusing and baffling. What are they doing? <laughs> I never understood it. And I never understood, for one thing, why people, like, I was raised in a Jewish background. And I, it was like, okay, we're surrounded by Christians, we're Jewish, who cares? What difference does it make? 
Okay, you believe this, you believe that. So what? There's one God. Who cares? And anybody I would bring it up would be like, they definitely would be like, what's the matter with you? You're, you're, you're not going to, we're better than them. Why? I heard all kinds of language from people all over the years basically being used to be different. And I'd be like, but why? I never understood it. It never made sense to me. And I've, in more recent times, it's just like ignorance is the foundation of everything as far as I can tell. Almost no, that's one thing that had me be interested in meaningful conversations when I first got here. I mean, a, a few, I told a few people when I first got involved here that it's like, I came into this room and I'm looking at the world. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, in this room, all the folks here, and it was like everybody, it was like, it was a very crowded room. Like every gender, every race, every religion, everything possible in this room when I came in here, like, wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, I want this. <laughs> and it was just amazing to me that I could be in a room like that. They weren't arguing with each other. Yeah. They weren't being condescending. They weren't cutting each other. They weren't criticizing. Like, wow. And I, I had a few people around me who were like, well, what do you think? I, I described that to them. They're like, wow. I wanted more of that. It's like, I, I hadn't had that before. It was like, we're, what we do here, to me, is a building blocks of what society should be. Yes. Like, why treat anyone who's not like you, doesn't sound like you, doesn't look like you, doesn't act like you, why treat them as being better or worse than you? Why? I'm saying this in a past way because I've never understood it. I've, I've come to be aware of it, to recognize it, but even now, I just don't really understand it. <laughs> so just that's me. Will, will it, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, sorry. So I think this stems from childhood. I think um, so. I'm a teacher, and I see a lot of biases that my students hold um, towards other groups. And um, it, it doesn't matter what race to what race. There's a lot of like tension. Um, and I think we're getting to a place now where people are more aware of race relations. And I imagine that in a couple generations, it's going to kind of go to the side, I think. People are gonna be more conscious. They're not being raised in a racist household. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm gonna be totally frank. Um, my dad's from Northern Florida, mm-hmm. and we know the situation in Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, and he used to make jokes about black people or say you know, really discriminatory things. My mother still makes comments, oh, that's the black neighborhood. And I had to be like, mom, that's not okay to say. Like, that's not what you're, you're pointing out something that's not relevant. Like she may mean like, oh, it's a low income area or whatever. She, there's no place to say that. And I have to like help her think about those things because mm-hmm. she wasn't raised in that way. So I think our generation is being more, we're more aware. And I'm yeah. hoping that like future generations will be different. <clears throat> um, and it's funny because like I'm planning this uh, event for my school. Um, I want to celebrate Chinese New Year. And I'm really afraid, like it's a lot of anxiety around it because I'm like, what if I take them to a Chinese restaurant and then a lion dance and they're making fun of the Chinese people that we interact with or like mimicking them or like insulting the food or this, the way they feel people smell. Like it's so much anxiety there and it's funny because it speaks to you know, a problem that still is in our culture. But that's a teachable moment though. Like, yeah, that, that's a, very, a problem, yeah. teachable mm-hmm. moment where you can like let them know that it may be different from your culture, but that doesn't make it 
wrong or bad or weird. It just is different, and it's nothing yeah. wrong with different. Like diversity is how species survive. If there was no diversity in nature, everything would die. Everything would die. There has to be diversity. To me, I for number two, if you meet those different, right? I think um, I, I would go a step further and say it's a challenge, but it's not just about how people view the world, but how we ourselves or how I myself view the world. Yes. And in being different, it does not a race of a color. I can some things that I've been something that I've been working on personally um, for the past maybe two or two years or a little bit more is. When I see somebody who is different in the subway, my reaction used to be, now how do you go beyond that to see the humanity regardless of how the person looks outside or what, is, what, what are they saying? How do you see that humanity so that you can, you don't, I don't believe in the Lala world, but I also believe in seeing something else than what is being put in front of me. And I think for me, this passage basically bring it back, bring it home to me in terms of, but I'm not just looking at all that. How am I reacting? Mm -hmm. yeah. How can I surpass and see the humanity? I just want to share that as you were talking, my whole crown is lit up in tingles and nice big download coming through. So thank you for sharing that. You know, I just today, I did not plan on being here, but the story I heard from Mark Twain is so relevant to what we're talking about. Mark Twain said if you take a jar and you put a hundred black ants and then you put a hundred red ants and you close the jar, nothing will happen. But if you shake the jar, they'll kill each other. And to the black ant, the real enemy is not the red ant, and to the red ant, is the real enemy is not the black ant, it's the one who shook the jar. Mm -hmm. So it, that's what I think of, is that who's shaking the jar? So. I, I like that a lot. And that kind of reminds me of like how, I was having this conversation one time with my friend about how, like if we look at everybody, like individual, and we say, okay, well, our world, especially particularly in America, is based around fear, right? Fear of, oh, you're not gonna have this, or, oh, this is gonna be taken away from you. But we have to think about the narrative of who's pitting us against each other? Mm -hmm. And what are they getting from this? What are they getting from constantly keeping us like this? Because the fear is, as I like sit here and look at some of these people on the wall, like Martin Luther King, JFK, I'm thinking like these people weren't necessarily killed because of their ethnicities. They were killed because their ability to bring people together and focus on the common theme of, well, why can't we have this peace? Why can't we have this unity? Why can't we come together? And like groups like this, this is what he wanted. He wanted all of us. Everybody is different here to be able to come together and sit and have these conversations and think about how we can improve our community as a whole because we only have one world. This is this is it. And so if we can't get along and create like this 
beautiful unified place not you know saying it's gonna be like a utopia or anything like that but we can get close if we stop focusing on oh well this person is this and this person like none of that matters like all of that stuff is irrelevant this is what matters right here what's in this room and we could like bottle this up and like aerosol it all around the world <laughs> like it would be such a better place because like the fact that we're all different like I don't even like I see that everyone is different color from me but that I don't care like all of you guys are like it's just energy it's just light and it's just positivity and it's just like love and understanding and that's what we need there's a real life example of something that happened um, in Brooklyn there's a street called Graham Avenue and it's also known as the Avenue Puerto Rico and um, this week what happened is people woke up to go to work and they woke up and they noticed that the sign no longer said Avenue Puerto Rico it just they changed it to Graham Avenue and so people in the neighborhood were like What's going on? Because it's, a, it's a, a heavily revered, highly respected black community. And they were like, okay, why did they just change the sign on the street? And so they went online, the neighborhood mobilized, they, they Twittered, they Instagrammed everything. In two hours, the city sent people back to put the sign back. Wow. And awesome. so, I know, and so what, what ended up happening was, um, I had spoken to a friend of mine who um, has like a, a, a news circular in the Bronx, uh, welcome to the Bronx, and, um, and he's um, Hispanic. And so he, I was talking to him and he was saying how, um, and he gave me like the best, the, the best way to phrase it. He said, um, it's not that, because what happened is a lot of the uh, people moving in um, are changing the tone of the neighborhood. They don't want it to be associated with little Puerto Rico anymore. So that was why they, they changed the sign. And, and how he phrased it was, he was saying that we don't care if, like, yeah, we can, you can change the neighborhood and regentrify it and make it a completely different community. We don't care about that. We just want to make sure that the respect that's known stays. Yeah. So even if the tone changes, the sign should still say Avenue Puerto Rico because that's the energy that they built. And the intolerance comes from the people who are in the neighborhood who didn't see that we moved into somewhere and we're part of this community. Let's, let's get to know our neighbors. They just saw this. I want to take it and make it mine. Yes. That's where the problem came in. And so as far as incorporating that into the, the topic of, uh, um, of, of um, tolerance, it's almost like anything, somebody told me that anything that's not love is an emotional commitment to ignorance. So it's like that's when it's like everything else is can, you can you can overcome everything else, but when ignorance is at the root, like Jeff was saying, everything comes from that. Yeah. So that's like a, a good way of looking at it, and just realize that as a community, we have more strength than we would as an individual. Um, anything else? Um, I just want to touch number three real quick because sure. uh, it's something that uh, we had a conversation about earlier with Marcus and. Uh, but uh, it says, do not exalt, exalt yourself above other, others, but consider all as your equals, recognizing them as servants of one God. We talked about how, like, I have a friend that will say things like, oh, we are the chosen ones. And I had to correct him to let him know, like, you're not special. Um, not, not in a way of, like, putting him down, but letting him know, like, that we are, you're not special because we're all special. Everyone has their own kind of, like, unique thing that they bring to the table. And I feel like when people say stuff like, oh, I'm the chosen one, or oh, I'm special, like, it 
lets me know that there are a lot of insecurities there that you're not dealing with. And also, I feel like everyone is on their own journey, right? Like, I'm on my own journey. She's on her own journey. So if we're different, how can I say that, how can I compare myself to you? You can only compare things that are the same. You can't compare things that are different. So I consider everyone to be parallel. Like, no one's above, no one's below. We're all kind of like on these directional journeys of wherever we're going. And I feel like this really touches on don't exalt yourself above others because I see people do this all the time, these spiritual gurus, like, oh, you can only come to me because I'm special and I have all the knowledge. And it's just like, actually, no. (laughs) (laughs) So what's very interesting what you just said is that I consider everyone to be equal. Mm -hmm. And me personally, if I take that approach, I get into trouble because I take the assumption that everyone is fair-minded to my definition of what fair-minded is. So my challenge, and this is something I learned this week, and this is why I'm here, is how to listen. Mm-hmm. And the first step to listening is completely emptying myself. And that means to me emptying myself of what I think is right and what I think is wrong. Yeah. And it's all about disconnecting that, that, and you said it, that running narrative, mm-hmm. because we have an inner narrative and we also have an outer narrative. And today in social media, it's always pumping content into that narrative. So the first thing I have to do is let go of what I think is fair or not. I've learned this from being married for eight years because there's nothing is really fair. And we could have our own definition of what fair is, so I'm complete. Welcome to trouble. (laughs) (laughs) Trouble includes that one thing that everybody knows, and this is common wisdom, is that there are better neighborhoods than others. Especially the white neighborhoods, always better than the black neighborhoods. It's common wisdom. Everybody knows this. Now, I used to get into trouble every single time I opened my mouth when it came to neighborhoods, because everybody was always like, well, at least you live in a white neighborhood. I was like, what the hell is better about that? Well, people were like, are you crazy? You don't have crime. You, your houses are better. I'm like, okay, but they're, but they're also ignorant. What's better about it? So when you say white neighborhood, I think of trailer park in, in Tennessee. You know, and a poor economic. So it's very, you know, I try to drop just emptying. I'm not perfect, but Francis just did. Uh, I was going to offer something else when looking at do not exalt yourselves above others, but consider all as your equals, recognizing them as the servant of one God. And the reason why I'm thinking about this is that it takes, it takes me back to um, my cultures, where basically um, we are equal because no soul is better than another soul. God created all souls with the same essence but know that the source is there. But like the 10 fingers of your hand, to didn't live with an equal, 
meaning that basically we all have a purpose. And what makes somebody better than others is what happened and what did you do? Mm. How did you act? Did you act with nobility? Did you act with compassion? Did you act with craving uh, 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 the approval of God, stuff like that. So it's that nobility that the elders used to talk about, but makes somebody better. But at the source we are equal, because basically the soul that is in you is the same soul that is in you. But divine spark is the same for everyone. <clears throat> mm -hmm. um, just reading this first section and hearing everyone's perspective reminded me of this idea in the Baha'i writings that is called the twofold moral purpose, which is one, as an individual strives to develop and grow spiritually and intellectually, um, that capacity building is also connected to contributing to the transformation of society. So if one is without the other, it's almost like it, it becomes very limited. I can only grow uh, intellectually and spiritually to a certain degree because I'm not testing that in my environment through contribu contributing to the society. So I don't know how much I'm growing. You know, it's only, I can only measure it in my environment. I can go somewhere secluded and find nirvana or peace, but when I come back to the real world and society, that can be disrupted. Mm -hmm. So this ongoing effort, which is basically, for Baha'is, it's an, the soul is progressing continually in this world and the worlds to come. So this capacity building is nonstop, and we, that's the whole sort of journey of the individual, building of those capacities, which is like going beyond our, like our own limited understanding and like how we immediately, so everything that is like talked about, like seeing someone and not mistrusting them and withdraw ourselves, this is like, the sort of immature and sort of um, uh, unconscious reaction that we have. Now, that when we bring consciousness to it, I feel, and we become aware of it, is we, when we actually push ourselves to build that capacity and not be, like Anna said, you know, like tied up, you know, when we see someone, something different in, in the subway or just anywhere, right? It's more like, oh, how do I grow from this, like this, so it's not my initial reaction to this, and how do I go beyond, and, and it's almost like going beyond ourselves, which is what Stephen also saying, like having to let go of that, so I found that interesting. Mm -hmm. I, just, I just wanted to mention on this, um, and it, I'm, I'm gonna personally try to challenge myself to do this, and I mean, if y'all feel free, and listeners, if you feel free to challenge yourselves to do this as well, when somebody brings or comes up to you with, um, let's say, one of these uh, challenging uh, statements, such as, oh, you know, black neighborhood, white neighborhood, uh, you, you can go down the line and down the list. Instead of initially, you know, reacting with that reaction, 
ask them, calmly ask them if, if you can, what do you mean by that? Have the answer reflected back on them so they have to come to you and answer it correctly to, your, to, to you, basically. So they have to look and search within and be like, well, what do I actually mean by white neighborhood, black neighborhood, et cetera, et cetera. So they go and challenge themselves and actually say, well, you know, I mean a less poverty neighborhood or I mean a gated community. Well, why, well, what, you know, continue and be like, well, you know, and further on that conversation so they can understand like, well, oh, you know what, it's not necessarily a black neighborhood, it's not necessarily a white neighborhood, it's just my perception. And from that perception, then you say, well, okay, well, now that we understand that this is gated or blah, 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 let's try to stick with that term instead of continuing this narrative because I think that's one of the things that we should not tolerate. When we hear these narratives from other people within our community, within work, however, I mean, I'm, and I know, and I, and I know that it's challenging because sometimes we do it ourselves and we don't even, it's not even a process because it's just, sometimes it's just natural and, and it's innate. But it is a challenge that can be done when you have the mindset to be like, you know what, I may not get it every day and I may not, you know, get it every second, but if I can at least try, then I can try. So. I do challenge to everybody, like, if you hear these narratives, if you hear these statements from people, and like I said, if you can calmly ask them, hey, what do you exactly mean by that? And from that point, just try to, you know, get that conversation rolling so their wheel starts turning like, hey, maybe I really do need to, like, you know, think of what I say. Or maybe I really do need to think of what I'm tweeting and texting on social media. I mean, that small change can have big effects. Okay, so I am going to just because there are also a question of time, yes. I'm going to take comments for those who haven't spoken. And if, if I, I'm, <laughs> I'm just enjoying everything that everybody's saying. Um, I just love all people. I don't care what color your skin is, what language you speak, is we're all of the human race. And it, it just, like this gentleman said, it's hard to process to understand like why do people think that way. But I also think the government has a lot to do with it. You know, they control social media, they control the news and everything. So they put stuff out in the airwaves and different types of ways, I think, to keep people in that mindset. Um, I, if, I think if people just, I, I think what happens a lot of times is that when, when people live in that kind of mindset, it's not that all the time, I don't think they believe that it is so. What I think is that they benefit from it some kind of way. They benefit from it, whether it's financially, all kinds of ways they benefit from because the, the, the real thing is that some of the, the things that have been said or done, it's not even real, it's not even so. You know, no one is any better than anybody else. So how could what you're promoting be true? You know, and, and so I think that if, if we accept with the government, because they're at the top, they're the one that's orchestrating this separation, because when you can divide, you can conquer. When you divide people, you can conquer. Just imagine if everybody of all cultures, because I try to use, I'm trying to make myself more to not use race, but use culture because we're all of the human race. We have different cultures, 
you know. But I think that um, if 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 we wouldn't accept the narrative that the government is putting out, you know, that we can conquer the government. You imagine if every culture all over the world decide, we're not taking this. Do you know how powerful we could be? Yeah. We can overthrow governments. We could be so powerful, but we, you know, and not just this group here, but if we can all see the beauty in every culture, because there's beauty in every culture, there's things that we can learn from each, you know, everybody's culture. I do it at my job. I work around like the Hispanic people, and they're my brothers and they're my sisters, you know. And there's different things that I've learned from them. And I was like, if everybody could have that mindset to learn from every culture, it's, this would be beautiful. But I think we gotta pull out of the culture of what, and I can't say what's going on in other countries. I live in America. But I think if we could pull away from the, from the culture that has been created, the negative culture that has been created in America, we would be awesome. Awesome. I just want to say, I do something similar to what you do, Marcus. But when mm. people say things like that, I just ask them, "Are you sure?" Mm. Like, like. <laughs> so I says to all, all black people are ignorant. Are you sure? Mm. I mean, because like, because just questioning them, it puts that seed of doubt in there. Like, okay, am I saying something wrong? And then they have to do it on their own because I ain't got time to be teaching grown people. <laughs> but like, but but you can like put some uh, put a seed out there so that they can grow themselves. Yeah. Mm. So we're um, working for societal transformation. A new, vi a new vitality emerges within a people taking charge of their own development, and they build immunity to those societal forces that breed passivity. Possibilities for material and spiritual progress take shape. Social reality begins to transform. Do not be satisfied until each one with with whom you are concerned is to you as a member of your family. Regard each one either as a father or as a brother or as a sister or as a mother or as a child. If you can attain to this, your difficulties will vanish. You will know what to do. The principle of the oneness of mankind is no mere outburst of ignorant emotionalism or an expression of vague and pious hope. Its appeal is not to be merely identified with the reawakening of the spirit of brotherhood and goodwill among men, nor does it aim solely at the fostering of harmonious cooperation among individual peoples and nations. Its implications are deeper, its claims greater. Its message is applicable not only to the individual, but concerns itself primarily with the nature of those essential relationships that must bind all the states and nations as members of one human family. It represents the consummation of human evolution. I, I really like 
vitality emerges within a people taking charge of their own development. Simply put, check in on yourself because no one can fix you but you. It's all about journeying into your inside, like visiting trauma that you buried down inside of you and dealing with it because no one can, no one's gonna save you. No one's gonna show up and heal you. You have to heal yourself. Granted, there are tools and avenues that you can take through books, you can go to a therapist, but even a therapist will tell you the real work doesn't start until you leave my office. And so like that part, really hits home with me because I've, I've did this entire passage and um, where it says, and they built immunity to those societal forces that breed positivity. Positive possibilities for material and spiritual progress take shape. Social reality begins to change. This part right here, this last little sentence is so real because I feel like, so pre-me, pre-healed me, even though I'm still like on a healing journey, was just like, very unhappy with the world. I blamed everything outside of me for what was happening. I like my life was just like crumbling. It was not the way I wanted it to, to be. And then like it didn't. I, I used to like not understand happy people, and I actually didn't like them. Um, and they, I'm just being real. Like they, they annoyed me. I didn't understand why they were happy, and it was because I was miserable. And so like when I went inside of myself and started challenging trauma that I had and understanding like, oh, okay, so this is connected to that and letting go of like being angry at my parents and like understanding that my parents were just people that did what they thought they should do and what they didn't know, they didn't know. And I had to like let that go and I also had to let go the parents that I had built inside my head because they were never going to be those people. Um, and I think that, like, we talked about this earlier, like, we do this, in, like, people do this in relationships. Like, you you are dating someone in your head, but it's not, it's not this person. And you get mad because this person inside of your head is not, like, how do they, they don't even know this person exists. This person is not real. It's in your head. And so when I started to, like, change all those aspects about myself, the way I saw the world dramatically changed. Like, now I don't see any situation as negative. I either see a situation as, okay, well this is not for me. And I also have my boundaries accordingly. But in terms of like not being, ha like I'm happy every day. Like I'm at a state of peace every day. And like my kids can be getting on my nerves. Like I can be like have a crazy workload, but I'm happy. Like I'm at peace. I'm the, like the way I, it's so much opportunity. It's so much to live for. Um, and that's not saying some days like I'm just not like oh I don't feel like getting up I don't because I still do have those days you know but my core self is the way that I see the world is entirely different it's like it's like only living in black and white and then realizing that oh I can turn this one in color like that's how dramatic the change was for me. That's it. That's all I got. <laughs> Daddy, you better say something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say that number four as well. I, I love this first sentence because it's telling me that all I have to do to change, transform social reality is work on myself. Yep. You know, so like I don't have to even pay attention to what's going on in the collective, and I choose not to. 
You know, like somebody was saying to me the other day, like, oh, you live in New York? Oh, I heard it's crazy there. There's all these people moving, blah, 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 blah. They showed something about the state government. I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> it's just like not part of my reality because it's, I don't, I choose not to focus on that. You know, like my universe is heaven because I choose to surround myself with people that I find empowering, inspiring, and, and that's what my world is. I mean, like, obviously, I recognize that there's other things going on, like what Anna was saying, like, when I, yeah, it's hard not to cringe at certain things, you know what I mean? But I also have to know that that's that, that could be that person's purpose. I don't know what that soul's purpose is, you know, like, it's not up to me to determine whether or not or when or not a person is meant to transform. If somebody took my transformation journey away from me by yelling at me that I should be doing, you know, something different, I would have never paid attention. You know what I mean? So like my journey to self-transformation came exactly when it was supposed to, how it was supposed to. And I don't doubt that the universe has that plan for every individual and I'm not going to change anybody's perception. You know what I mean? Like I can be a shining testimony just by existing. I don't have to speak, I don't have to teach, I don't have to preach, I just need to be, you know? And, um, but yeah, I, I, I love, number, I mean, I, I love everything in, in all of these passages and, and just thinking about the fact that when I think about changing all of society, it's like, oh, I give up, I throw my hands in the air, like, no way, it's like totally impossible, you know? And, and this scripture is telling me that I don't have to focus on that because just by taking charge of my own personal development, my world really has changed. Everything that I see has yeah. transformed. Did you want to share something more? Uh, yeah, I'm curious what people think about number five. Um, it says, the part about how it says, uh, do not be satisfied until each one with whom you are concerned. I'm wondering what the you are concerned refers to. Is that anybody that you come across? Is it people that you choose to let into your life? Um, and I feel like regarding someone as a father, brother, sister, family member, that's that infers like closeness, mm -hmm. like that you've built a relationship with somebody and you've developed the love for them. Is that something you should try to do with all people or is it the ones that you choose to let in your life? Like how do you interpret that quote? I guess it depends on the relationship you have with your father and your brother and your sister. <laughs> <laughs> Concerned. I think anytime somebody like causes you to raise an eyebrow or to look at them twice or to second guess them, you're concerned. I mean, so it's like if you invest some energy or some effort and you just even look at them too long, you might as well be concerned. And so, like, and from that aspect, it's it's, it's from that, um, that that avenue of if they weren't all of that, if they if they permeated your concern your interest, then that's how you need to look at them. Um, an example was um. I made a promise to myself that I was going to try and do a, something community service every day. I know it seemed hard. I was like, it's, it's got to be a way to do that every day. And, um, and so in my neighborhood, um, on January 2nd, <laughs> um, there was a fire. And so me and my neighbors, we decided to create a Facebook page where um, we set it up to go from 135th to 155th from Riverside Drive to St. Nicholas. And we just put a Facebook page up for the neighborhood. So that if there was something you wanted to give away, or if somebody needed something, you can just post it there, and then somebody in the neighborhood can, uh, can deal with it. 
And, and so we started seeing that everybody lives in the nucleus of our neighborhood. And some of them you see every day. It was like one lady, I saw her at the bus stop every day. So I'm like, she lives there. But like, but the thing is, it's like you start getting to notice people, and when you notice them or uh, uh, concerned with them, you start noticing that like they're just like you. They, uh, one of the buildings had a fire. They lost everything, and everybody in the community got together and mobilized that Facebook page to get stuff to them. So it's like, so there's a way to. Um, it, it's, it's a lot easier than. Um, trying to like conjure up a, a birth certificate, make it seem like they're your sibling. No, it's not that serious. It's more like a, um, it's more like a, if you look out for somebody and you try to manifest some sort of concern to get them what they need, even if, if whether it's advice or some attention or a shirt, then then just do it. Um, so like that's how I look at it as because um, a, a familial bond is supposed. I guess it's, I guess it's what a familial bond is supposed to be. <laughs> not, not, not how you interpret it, because all our families are different. But we all, we all know exactly what a, a strong family bond looks like. Or it's not. Let me phrase it. We all know what it's supposed to look like. Yeah. Um, so, so building that off, of, building that image in its head is what we should be using to interpret number four, number four or five. Yes, Mr. Bishop. No, just to piggyback on what Christian was saying, I, I think. Of, at some point, I had to come to this realization that if I just rely on what something should be, a lot of things aren't the way I think it should be. What is my role in making it, you know, in the way that, that I feel like it needs to be? And, and the effort, a lot of times, just needed to be on my part. Like, almost with everyone in my family, uh, it, like nothing was in place, you know, like every single member. So I thought, obviously there was this, this connection, and I felt like how do I go beyond myself in a way and just, and be able, like just let go of everything because it requires that in order for me to make any effort to make it a positive relationship. Mm -hmm. You know, something that changes my perspective of that relationship because it's almost like this open cycle that is wasting energy if I just let it be that way. So how do I turn this open cycle that is there, you know, uh, to a positive one that is that not only serves me but the other person. So it was a lot of like a lot of that and I had to make those spaces with those people, you know, make those connections sort of as hard as it was really just try to make it a positive relationship on you know and the effort had to come from my part so I think like looking at this it's almost like what is the ideal uh, relationship with a father or a mother and so those people that like Christian was saying that I come across that I'm concerned with and and I meet with them and they sort of resemble that person whether they're older than me as a you know and they could resemble my father it's like what is the relationship I would want to have with my father and like make the effort to make that you know as as much as I can obviously so uh, speaking of concern oh, what's your name Mike Mike um, I don't know Mike just met him, but I'm concerned. Mike said he's going to uh, get some students 
It's to go visit a culture that's not their own. And he's nervous about that. And so I'm nervous for Mike. <laughs> <laughs> and ever since he said that, what's been rolling in my head is, is it possible to have a conversation with these kids before they go out, just in terms of respect? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, before, because you know, I don't know, I was raised, before I went out, my mom was like, listen, you do that, you're going to have major problems. But anyway, the idea of just putting them, uh, giving them an understanding and setting boundaries before they go out there so that you don't have to go with that kind of fear, you know. Uh, the kids have been prepared, they know possibly what to do and what not to do. So be proactive rather than reactive. Yes, I like yes. that. That's yes. always a good thing. Teach him, uh -huh. him some chopsticks for lunch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. I like, I like have them practice on that, and that way, when they get to the restaurant, they'll be able to use them, and they will be they'll be less inclined to make fools out of themselves uh, and respect it even more. Right. Yes. 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 I did take some work though, aren't I? <laughs> sure enough. Eat with them properly. Sure enough. Right. But they might not expect you to use chopsticks. No, I was about to say that. Knowing that you're not from that culture. I have my close friend. Is Chinese. He has seven brothers and sisters. So I have been joining his family for the last 15, 20 years for their dinner at an authentic Chinese restaurant in Chinatown. It's better to use fork rather than try to use chopstick. They would actually, they don't care about the small things as long as you're just respectful towards them. As a human being, I mean, yeah. chopsticks, fork, who cares? Yeah. The, rice, the rice can be kind of tricky. No, no, I mean, yeah, the, rice rice but I mean the point being, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. doesn't matter. Yeah. 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 Mm. I'd like to offer you a, both a challenge. This is something I do regularly with my sons. You, you've been offering the thought of how do you know people? How, and how well do you know people? And how do you know, how, in what ways do you know them? I'm going to you a flip side. Do you know them? Is you've already brought up that you mostly know people through your thoughts, beliefs, and assumptions. I don't do it any differently. But what I do with my son, and I do this regularly, is I'm listening to him like a whole new person. I do this like at least once a month with, with, as a, a whole new person. Like I don't know him at all. I'm listening to him for the first time. I do this a lot because I want to find out who he is now. So if you listen to the people, especially that you know that you know, if you listen to them for the first, like you listen to them for the first time, what's coming from them, and notice that you have all, of your, all the things you know about them, all of your assumptions. I find this fascinating while I do it. What, what do you discover suddenly happens with that person? If you suddenly start listening to them like you didn't already know them, while you have in your head all the things you know about them, it might, it might actually change your relationship. I, my son is sometimes he's absolutely floored by what I say to him, where he, he where where I make it very clear that I am listening to him like for the first time, and it starts it, the wheels turn. I want to do that too. So. I offer that as a challenge. Listen to the people that you know best, like you don't know them. See what happens. That's interesting. I want to do that. Yes, Gloria. Mm -hmm. So, uh, this, this idea of family, I, 
when I read this, um, it definitely triggers me. Or like, I've been very challenged by my family, <laughs> uh, especially like lately. Like it's very, I mean, always, but it's been very clear uh, lately. So when I read this, I'm thinking like, okay, um, what does this mean? Because I, even though I'm challenged by my family, I know my, like for me, the, the feeling, what I feel for them is that I care, that I care regardless of being challenged, I care about their lives and their well-being mm -hmm. and it matters to me um, and so so to me it's this this idea of am I concerned with somebody's like I care like like that feeling like when you said that I was also like oh, immediately thinking of caring even of that of the experience of when one of you talk about your your life experiences or your what you're going through like like that feeling of really caring really um, and it, it like kind of takes me back to the first, uh, is it the first one? Yeah, like the first um, quote where it talks about uh, how the, the parts are connected, right? Mm -hmm. And how this, all the parts in this infinite universe have their members and elements connected with one another and influence one another spiritually and materially. And I think, and then that also takes me to the oneness of humanity, right? Like, and those essential relationships and how that um, uh, relationship that must bind all the states and nations as members of one human family and that it represents the consummation of human evolution. So it's like, is this things like coming together where I'm like, care, care for others, right? Care for everybody and also, we are all boundly connected and affect and like all the forces affect each other and like there's no way and that's where also my individual part comes on but also how important like this society society comes come, comes in like it's just this mm, so that's where then the definition of family comes like it's for me this this journey right now um, including my own family, <laughs> like like blood, right? Uh, but also um, this family, and also then oh, anyone who I might be concerned with, which ultimately everybody, everybody. <laughs> so I just throw that on on everyone in the same box. Um, of course, it takes. It starts with like nucleus, right? And like and then that expands. Uh, we can't. But yeah. yeah. I, I was just thinking. So there's a particular family member that I have that um, has been challenging as well and hurt me in really big ways recently. And for a friend, if what this person in my family did to me, I'd probably choose to cut them off. Mm -hmm. But because this is my family, I've chosen not to. But I've put distance. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just interesting, I wonder if that speaks to that, like with people who aren't your family, not giving up on them, just because they've done something that's maybe toxic or disrespectful, and maybe finding a way to have some type of balance. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think you gotta have balance. 
Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> with unhealthy behaviors or conduct yeah. towards you. Because, <laughs> especially if it's intentional. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If, or if it's not intentional, but the fact that you know. So if I'm standing here and I'm constantly um, doing this to her, she doesn't use words, but she's like, you know, cringing and all of that. We understand that language. We know that she's hurting. You know, because that's some of the things that family members I know in my own family use. You may not be verbal and say you're hurting me, you're, mm -hmm. but I'm acting in a way, you know what I'm saying? But you don't, I feel that you don't have to constantly put yourself in the path of somebody that's intentionally, consistently hurting you. Yeah. You don't have to hate them neither. You set boundaries. Yeah. And the door will always be open when you're ready to come to me in a healthy way. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, you know, I just, and, and, and my mindset now, uh, especially within these last two or three years, how I look at family prior to that was those blood connected and all of that. Complete change. Mm -hmm. I look at relationships mm -hmm. because you know you can be connected to a person so deeply till you'll say that's my brother or that's my sister. So that, they don't have to be biologically connected to me. You know, as long as they're healthy, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. There's that healthy part coming in, you know what I'm saying, versus with uh, somebody that's biologically connected to you, but they're not healthy. Mm -hmm. You know, you, I would keep them at bay. I love you 50 feet, <laughs> you know, 50 feet. So when you're, you know, there's love back at you again, but I can't put myself, because it takes me to a place, and I don't have to. There's no law stating, you know, that I have to consistently, constantly let you keep abusing me. Yeah. Abusing me. I can still love you, okay? But I don't have to like you enough to let you come and keep hurting me. Mm -hmm. yeah. I, I, can, can I say something on the five? <laughs> um, so I kind of took this a little bit differently, but I understand where you guys are coming from. So don't be satisfied until each one with whom you are concerned is to as a member of your family. I took that as like, if I am, if, perfect example, like two days ago I went to go refill like my whole spring thing. And I walk out of the store and it's like this band of little kids. Like they couldn't have been older than 10, maybe one was 11. But this is like nine o'clock at night and they're out there by themselves. And the little boy asked me, he said, oh, can I carry that to your car? Like, this jug of water probably weighs more than you. But I said, here, you can carry this bag. It, like, has some bread in it. And um, I gave him, like, I, he, he asked me, he was like, well, do you have any cash? I said, I don't have cash. And he was like, well, do you have cash up? And I was like, yeah, I can cash up you a tip. So I cash up on a, a tip. And so I started talking to him. I was like, well, where, like, how old are you? He was like, I'm 10. And I was like, well, why are you out here? And then he was like, well, I want to buy my mom a birthday present tomorrow. It's her birthday. I instantly oh. knew that was not the case. It wasn't like that he told me a lie. It was the fact that, where are your parents? Like, why are you out here? And I was like, are you, like, obviously I know you're not okay, but, like, what's going on? And he was like, well, I'm out here with the other boys, and, you know, we're all just trying to get money for our moms. Because it's all your mom's birthday. All your mom's birthday <laughs> tomorrow. And, like, that's, like, the type of story that you would hear from a child. And so it just, 
I took concern, like, as a mom of two kids, and my son is is nine years old, and I'm thinking, like, I'm looking at him like, this is, this, this is my son. Like, this is, even though he's not biologically mine, and I never met this kid a day in my life, instantly I felt like this is my son. And I was concerned for this child being out here, and I wanted to, like, circle back around and, like, ask him again, like, are you sure you're okay? But at the same time, I know that at that time there's nothing that I could have done but to show him that I cared about him and that I was concerned about him and that someone is and that it's not okay for you to be out here. So I took that, at, that concern as if you see something or if you see someone struggling, don't think, oh, that's not my family, it's not my problem. Right. Like, no, treat this person like that. Like if you see an a, a, like a older lady walking across the street struggling with groceries, don't let her struggle. Like go over there and help her. Mm-hmm. It may take a few seconds out of your day, but be of assistance. Because like think about that being like your grandmother or something walking you would want someone to help her if you weren't around. So I think that's how I took it as to like when it comes to family members as to treat someone with not necessarily the same relationship that you have, but with the love that you would have for them, the love that you would have with someone in your family. Like Mike said, like putting up with a lot more because you love them, taking time out of your day to be concerned about someone, to see what you can do, even though you may not know them from a can of paint, that is the type of love that you can give them without like there being like that familiar old tie, you know? Um, But that's how I took that because these, I feel like this, um, regard each as a father, brother, sister, or mother, that can be subjective based on your childhood experiences because you may not have a good relationship with your father or brother and maybe you'll see them on the street and walk by them like they're a complete stranger. You'll see them choking on a donut and won't give them the hand like we were. Like, you know what I mean? So it just, it just depends on like the, the individual one, but if we focus on like the love that we could have for a parent, the love that we could have for a child or grandparent or whatever that is, and like kind of transition that love into helping others that we see need our help, then that's what we should be doing. Do anybody who hasn't spoken yet? Well, I would would just like to say this one thing, and it really came up in my mind when we were going over number five, and so I'll be vulnerable right now. Yeah. So yesterday was my mom's birthday. And to those who know and to those who don't, she had passed in 2000. So it's been 20, will be almost 23 years since she's passed. And I'm saying this to say when she passed back then, there has been so many women that's come into my life, and I mean in a motherly sense. And I just have to say here and now that like that's been a blessing and some of those some of those ladies have passed on and some of those ladies are still here and to those who are still here, if you if you hear my voice right now, I just wanna let you know like you were an incredible blessing to me. Cause just to be there in my life when you barely knew me and to just be like, you know what, I see good in him, no matter what people say or no matter, you know, how people look, or, or how he looks, that that takes a lot of courage. It does. And 
Yeah, I just want to say that I'm grateful and thankful for the ladies that definitely stepped up and you know, stepped up to be there in my life. I hate to interrupt, but I have to be. Bye. I'm going to have another conversation. It's a one-on-one conversation, but um, this is great. I'll be back. I'm going to leave. We're not going together. That's what you're telling me. See y'all later. without feeling like I'm letting my guard down because I feel like a lot of the times in my life where I was taken advantage of was when I was in my most open state. Like I was in a very transformative period of my life and I felt like I was very welcoming to the point where it was excessive. So I'm still struggling with like setting those boundaries and knowing when enough is enough, basically. It's about taking baby steps. Yeah. You know, not jumping right in. So I'll give an example. Like at work, I have some people that I know are really friendly and they're gonna really, you know, I could build a really strong relationship with them. And I've been making a lot of effort to get to know those people. And there's more people that I'm cautious about because I'm not sure who they really are and do they want to know me, do they want? So I just kind of like start with like a hi, how are you? And then sometimes if they initiate a conversation, I'll move a little further forward. I think just like being cautious and not jumping all in ever. Just like slowly and reading people's energy and seeing how they respond to you is very helpful. Also knowing yourself, right? Knowing, when you know yourself like intimately, um, you will know what feels good and what doesn't feel good. And what what you will allow to disrupt the peace that you built for yourself on your journey of self-discovery. Because if you've gone through the process of doing all of this work in yourself, trust me, you're not going to let just anybody in to destroy it. So I think a lot of times we focus on like, how do we create this so other people, when it's really not about other people, because once you create that within yourself, those boundaries will automatically fall in place. You'll realize, like, oh, oh, hold on, not, we're not doing that. Like, right. you're not coming over here with that, with that nonsense. And and whatever they have going on, you can instantly tell that it's it has it has literally it has nothing to do with you. It's all about them and the and the work that they need to do on themselves. And then once they do that, you know, maybe they can. You know, swim on in. But until then, like there, there's that dam that's there. Like, oh, nope, stop, don't pass, go. <laughs> but like, you know, like the more that you discover yourself, the more you will know. But what I will say is, don't make the mistake of not being vulnerable, because being vulnerable is one of the most powerful things that you can be. Because it, it's like a light, and people can see that. And not saying that you're not going to attract, you know, things to that light that want to dim it. But once you build that place up within yourself, you'll be able to see them coming from a mile away. A mile away. But don't turn yourself down out of fear of someone hurting you. You never want to move or make decisions from a place of fear. Because that's like, that defeats the whole purpose of going in. Like, and discovering who you are as a strong woman and independent as a spirit and all of these things, you know what I mean? So just focus on that and don't worry about what other people are doing because you can't control that anyway. Mm-hmm. And, and two, two other little things. Number one, you didn't do anything wrong. Right. Mm-hmm. You did exactly everything right. You just took a chance on somebody that was not worthy of that chance. 
And just like you can ask a question and it's a 50% chance it could be yes and a 50% chance it could be no, it's a 50% chance they'll be a good person and a 50% chance that they won't be. But as long as the, the effort and the concern is from an honest place and you don't put out any more than you would risk losing, <laughs> Because that's a, a whole other aspect of it. Like, it, it, Otherwise, if you just adhere to those, you won't find yourself out of it at the end because you just did something you organically would have done. You offered something that you were available to give, and, and so you have nothing to be regretful for. But if, it's, it, but if you go too far over and you, and you risk more than you're actually able to give, and then they don't reciprocate it, that's when people get upset. I think that's too, like when you give other people the, the ability to, like, uh, we were listening to an uh, audio book on the way down. It was yeah. talking about like how you could have this great relationship with this other person, and then the mistake happens when you give this other person your happiness. Yeah. Now they're responsible for it. Mm -hmm. So they could drop it, they could break it, and now you don't own something that, that you should have never given away. Exactly. Like everything, all of my love that I have for myself, all of, all of everything that I have that starts with self, right? When I go into any type of relationship, whether it's a work relationship, creative relationship, romantic relationship, I come in as a whole person. And, you know, whatever happens, I'm still going to be me at the end of it. Like, nothing is going to disappear. Like, my self-worth, my self-love, all of these things are never going to go anywhere. They're, they're all locked in key inside. No one can take them. But when I say, like, oh, you know what, I'm going to give you this part of myself. Like, no, I'm going to let you experience it. <laughs> But I'm not giving you anything because I'm me, and this is—I can't give away my parts. But I can allow you to. We can experience each other, and we have to understand that nothing is forever. Like, it, an experience is just that, and it's an experience. You you take what you need from it, you learn, and you move forward. But then there's going to be another experience, and there you know another experience, and maybe some experiences last longer than others. But that's that's kind of like the point. You learn from those experiences, and then you take what you learn, and you build new boundaries, and you move forward. And it's uh, uh, paying attention to the signs. Mm -hmm. Yes. So it's the signs, a lot of times, because we want to be friends with that person or in a relationship with that, you know, we'll ignore certain mm -hmm. things. Mm -hmm. But no matter what, we can't ignore the unhealthiness that's going to eventually affect us. Yep. You know? Put your foot there. Yeah. Just, just a quick little tidbit. As much as you are vulnerable, be observant. Yes. yes. That's it. <laughs> and trust takes time and work and dedication and mm -hmm. reciprocity and care, both for ourselves and in if there is if if in any relationship mm -hmm. uh, or group or so. I think all those things can coexist at the same time, being open and then not forgetting all those. Yes, I'm looking at the time. I'm sorry to be reporting. I don't know. But we need to get to number first, number three, for the third part, the role of justice. I think we last two, you read last, is that, am I correct? I think so. Okay. So, and we're also thinking at the back of our head, as we finish this book and trying to connect the three, because um, yeah. I think there's a lot of different things in, in the. Yeah, if that's okay. Absolutely. If thine eyes be turned towards mercy, forsake the things that profit thee and cleave unto that which will profit mankind. And if thine eyes be turned towards justice, choose thou for thy neighbor that which thou chosest for thyself. <coughs> the 
light of men is justice. Quench it not with the contrary winds of oppression and tyranny. The purpose of justice is the appearance of unity among men. The ocean of divine wisdom surgeth within this exalted word, while the books of the world cannot contain its inner significance. Justice is not limited. It is a universal quality. Its operation must be carried out in all classes, from the highest to the lowest. Justice must be sacred, and the rights of all the people must be considered. Desire for others only that which you desire for yourselves. Then shall we rejoice in the sun of justice, which shines from the horizon of God. Jeremy, taking, going back to your idea, you were saying try to connect everything that we have with just for <coughs> into the lessons of what did we get out of this conversation today. There's two underlying threads that um, that stick out as um, as far as components that weave all, all three of them together. Um, I see them. I'm not going to say anything. Um. <laughs> I think also the the questions in the beginning. Uh, I was going to ask yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, for the purpose of time. <laughs> 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 that, was, that was one of them. But, um, <laughs> of the oneness of humanity help us move beyond this tolerance and towards appreciating the strength of diversity? How can these principles help us transform, unify, and strengthen our communities? What role does justice play in contributing to the, this transformation? I talk too much. I think we gotta start with Chris. I mean, Chris, things out of light, bro. I mean, you guys might as well put the two, put the two out there. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know, like in, in the car, um, there's like, even though it might be more than one, gear, more than one, um, um, you know, the that thing, um, stick shift. Um, it's three main speeds. Um, Stop going and too fast. Just like there's like um, the, uh, elements of progression, that's how it's laid out with these three. It's like you start with yourself, then you look at your environment, and then you hold everybody to the same core for justice at the end. So it's like so it's like those are the three. I'm looking at I'm looking at this like um, um, if you were like just about anything. Um, I'm trying to think of something that correlates to it as a good example. Um, a real life example. There was a woman. Um, that was upstate New York, and she, it was during the blizzard, and um, she saw this, old, this older white guy on the street. I don't know if everybody saw it in the news, um, this older white guy was on the street, and the snow was up to here, wow. and that man was like freezing on the street, and so she took him in her house, and she like fed him, and he had uh, frostbitten fingers, and she like uh, put compresses on him, she changed his clothes, she like fed him, she had him for two days, 
And, um, and so she was calling the hospitals to try to come and help her. They wouldn't. She was, trying to, she was going through all these avenues to try to, um, to, to get him some help. And then when she got to her wit's end, she went on social media. She filmed herself. You saw it. No, like, I'm just like, wow. Oh, um, she went on social media. She was like, look, I got this man in my house. <laughs> <laughs> she got real sister girl there. She was like, look, I got this man in my house. She was like, I'm a fed him. She brought the camera to him. Oh, he had a mental problem. So he couldn't really tell her where he lived. He had just escaped his, um, the place he was living in. All he had was like a plastic bag with like a couple pieces of paper in it or not. So she had him in her house, she went on social media and went through all this stuff to try and find him. And then her neighbors ended up seeing it online. And so they all mobilized together and they finally, and they took the guy to the hospital. And she stayed with him. And um, this one, she was like 20 something. She was like in her, her late 20s. She had kids of her own and, um, and, and everybody was looking at her like, girl, you crazy. Cause you don't know what to, cause they said he doesn't have a mental problem. Like you brought this man to your house, she did not care. She was like, look, I'm not gonna leave this man out on the street and blah, 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 blah. And so like, she's like, and it's, she encapsulates all three of the elements that we were just talking about. She saw somebody, uh, even though a lot of people would see the difference between them and would see him as, they would have nothing in common, that she would be a little fearful to bring him to her house, a black woman bringing an old white man to her house. And then uh, uh, from, the, from the other side, they'll say, you letting him take, he has kids, blah, blah, blah. So she took him in, she didn't care about any of that. She saw a person that needed some help. And so she brought him in. Um, and she and then at the, the middle section where it talks about um, um, of the societal transformation, she saw herself in him, and she was like, "What if that was my grandfather? What if that was look? I was afraid of him." So she put, so she took that element into it, and then with the justice in, she wanted to make sure that he got the same treatment that she would have expected for her grandfather. So she took all three of those elements and encapsulated them into the same elements that we're talking about. And then um, on the, if it was the fourth element, the fourth element would be the fruit that comes out of that relationship. Mm -hmm. yeah. For them, the fourth element would be she met his daughter. <laughs> the daughter came, um, and then her and the daughter became best friends. Oh, my and so, like, um, so the daughter, the daughter came up, um, she flew in, but she couldn't get in. And then she met, they met online on a face, FaceTime or something, and they got to talk. And so they became really good friends. So I'm like, that's like the element of like how all of those elements come together. And I was like, if they need to do a class on exactly what that entails, that would be the basis on which that class should be founded. Because she literally, they, it literally took every other, I was thinking about it at the beginning, every element that we've been talking about has been, you can find in that story. Mm -hmm. From the, the not having the prejudice aspect of it, to seeing him as a person, to want to hold the same measure that you want for somebody of yourself and then develop in the relationship and the ties that bind from that. That's the entire synopsis of what we were just talking about. Um, and I'll send everybody on Facebook, I'll send you all the stories. <laughs> like I was sitting there, I was following this like it was a soap opera. I was like, what's gonna happen next? <laughs> but like that's like a perfect example of um, what we're talking about. And there's people like that. Um, because I, I try to look for positive stories like that. Like, I, I, sometimes you got to skip past a whole a bunch of negative yeah. ones to get to them. But when you find them, those are the types of stories I find. I'm like, you don't hear about those. Um, and so that's a perfect example of tying it together in the phone. So you not, Anna. <laughs> Drop your birds. <laughs> Final thoughts. <laughs> that was urban vernacular for... Um, <laughs> Yes, sir. 
No, just uh, also tying it together, I think the first section being beyond tolerance talked about how the entire hum humanity is of one body. So it's not so much of really tolerating as, as just finding our place, you know, in this environment and in society and the world and, and grow in our capacities within that environment and going beyond our habitual, you know, reactionary uh, and the way we are conditioned. And I think the second part was the transformation of society. And through those capacity buildings, you know, through recognizing our own limitations and like finding our own boundaries, you know, and how we can contribute and seeing others as family members and relationships, you know, and how to contribute to that. Um, is how we grow, but really at the core of that would be the justice, you know, that we have within ourselves, which I think it's what it says, the light of men is justice, quench it not with the contrary winds of oppression and tyranny, which is like the, the oppression and tyranny comes from within, you know, and then even what we see in the world on like big scale, it started from within an individual and it just manifests into this world. So it's like being aware of that. And then I really, this is so significant and I find this to be so true and real. We just can't see it because we have all these sort of like what it's, the way it's, explained in the Baha'i Faith is like truth is there which we've just created so many veils that yeah. we can't see it. It's not that we are really meant to create the truth then see it. It's like it's already there. It's the, it's the truth. It doesn't change. It's just we um, through our own limitations and limited ideas and opinions and ego can't really see it. And it, where it says the ocean of divine wisdom surges, surges within this exalted world, while the books of the world cannot contain its inner significance. And yeah, I mean, and it's talking about that justice and how it must be sacred. And so finding that, and then obviously at the very end, it says which shines from the horizon of God. So that connection really, it's like, I think Myra spoke to that as well, how when you were addressing um, Kayla's, it was like your connection to yourself, mm -hmm. you know, and you knowing yourself, which that connection with being connected to God is not separate, you know? So, and drawing from that and like allowing that manifest without allowing oppression and tyranny to like block that. Um, anyway, that was just my summary. <laughs> That's a very good summary. I will not add to that. <laughs> <laughs> you spoke truth, my man. Let me also go back, when we get this last section, it's sort of, I feel like from, um, 
I don't know what perspective, but from the perspective of ideas, many people are like, okay, they're fine with the first section. Okay, you know, um, be more loving towards people, more humble, et cetera, et cetera. But now when we come to justice, well, maybe now we have to face um, the fact of a lot of the dominant forces and how the world we are experiencing as it is right now got to be, right? And okay, where's all the money? You know, um, how is power seen and achieved in the world the way it is at this moment, right? Mm -hmm. We have our own racism in the American version, maybe othering is the global version, right? Colonialism, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like, okay, schools are not legally segregated, but they're just as segregated as they were, yep. you know? And so um, I'm still, I'm still going to carry away the, the seeing the beauty in other people as a, a transformational um, thing that you would, like you mentioned that in your first comment. Um, and it stuck with me because. It, I don't maybe, I don't think it's the first thing that people think of, you know, I mean, I think it's sort of there, but it's, that is one of the things that will disrupt the systems in their current form and not allow them to continue, yep. is being sincerely connected to the humanity of other people, yep. right? Because then this is not okay, you know, it continues to be okay because there's a separation and at least for me personally, the majority of people, I don't have food in the fridge, right? And so if I don't know the person that doesn't have food in their fridge, then it's harder for me to know how to help that person be connected to that experience, right? And I'm confused. Yeah. I'm like, what's, what's going on there? But then when you take down that boundary, right, then it's possible to implement a more just system, right? Because there are humans who are like, well, no, that's not okay. You know, and and I, I would do things differently, right? This whole choose for others what you would choose for yourself. Yeah. Whereas a lot of the noise that we hear is, well, that's them. This is us, there are these lines here, we want to make sure everything is good over here, which sort of denies the very first sentence on the first page, right, of, mm -hmm. of the reality of interconnectedness, right, on both the scientific and the social, whatever level you want to put it out there. Because for me, that's at least how I experienced it. But you get to this one, it's like, well, hold on. Okay, we're having the conversation, I was cool with it. Yeah, but that's not how we're all experiencing things yeah. as we go through um, our lives. And that's what people are having to remark on. Unfortunately, some of these things are more of like an exception than the norm. And I'm just, I'm just close with like the common, I'm, I'm a teacher too, right? And so the school I'm in, you know, everyone works there. You know, not that many Asian or Indian, right? But you have the, in New York, the major populations of black, white, Latino. But then when you break down the responsibilities, the salaries, oh, suddenly it's a different interpretation of the room, and mm -hmm. is there a conversation going on about the fact that that exists and how we're gonna change that, particularly given who are the students in the school? Right. You know, so to me, the, the last section connected back to the first section, okay, how is this gonna yeah. unravel things? Yeah. And when you were talking about the disruption, right, that mm -hmm. can happen in a variety of ways, and how are we gonna do all that? The last one is like real actionable steps yep. to take and not just like these nice flowery statements to make like, oh, let's all hands and sing kumbaya, but like actually realizing that there are these structures set up and sometimes it seems impossible to break, but it, you can't focus on the structure. You can't focus on like the bigger thing. You just have to start with one person at a time. Like I have a, uh, a friend that is a correction officer and he always talks about like, oh, how bad these people are. And I'm just like, yeah, but 
you don't know their story. Like you have to get to know them on an individual level because no one is a, no one as a child grows up and says, oh, I want to be a criminal, like, or I want to spend the rest of my life confined to like a closet. You know what I'm saying? And with another person sharing a bathroom in public, like no one wants that. So what what led them up to this point of becoming this individual? And like put all your things of what you think and what they should have done and focus on what they thought their options were. Because a lot of times people thought this is the only way out. This is this is all that I have. And not saying that some people in there justified you don't need to be in there, right? But I feel like a lot of times we we judge people and we put our assumptions on what we think their lives should be like and we don't know their experience. And so I think when we have like these kind of the, the role of justice, like the actual action, the actionable steps, we have to take all these things into account. Like you said, like how the schools are, there's no legal segregation, but there is segregation. Like my daughter, she's on a, both my kids competitively swim, right? Only black kid on the team, only black kid on the team. And it's because of, you know, back in the day, they used to segregate pools. And then when pools became unsegregated, they made swim clubs so that black and Latino kids couldn't swim in the same pool. Because they know, like, economically, oh, they're not, their parents are not going to be able to afford. But why is that? Because of how it's set up. Why, you know, when we go back to housing, why do we live in a city where, okay, like I know in New Jersey, it's just like very apparent, like, you have all white towns, right? And then you have all black towns. And it's just like, okay, there's no legal segregation, right? But there was redlining before. And it's just like that same, they just took the law away. But just like the transfer of slavery went from the public to the, you know, the justice system. And so slavery is literally legal there. But I think like we have to think about, okay, we can't solve this from like a bigger perspective because like Betty said, it's like very daunting and you immediately want to give up. But our role is to like one one kid at a time in your classroom. Like maybe connecting kids that you know come from different economic backgrounds and getting them to see like, oh, we can be friends, we can play together. It doesn't matter like if they don't have this or if their skin is that color or if they live in a two-parent household or one-parent household, or if their parents are gay or trans or whatever the, whatever the case is, like you're both still two human beings in the third grade. Like you both like Naruto or Pokemon or whatever the case is and build that rapport on that. And that's an actionable step, because guess what? When they grow up, they're going to realize, like, oh, well, I was friends with Tommy, and on paper, we didn't have anything in common. And then, you know, and then you just start moving with, with these relationships, but that's how it, it changes, and it's like a, like a domino effect. But if you start from this huge, big image of, oh, we need to tear down the system, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. And, and these steps are the steps that we have to take, just little baby steps. And that's good, and Pokemon, what you're saying, I think how we could possibly defeat it is, you know, without the large platforms. You know what I'm saying? We gotta do it within the community, within mm -hmm. the neighborhood. You know what I'm saying? And things just as subtle as, like, you, the example that you gave, the two kids. Let's break that. You know, the system, and we put it out there, oh, we're gonna start having children, and you know, all that. no, 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 no. Mm -hmm. We gotta start, you know, and, and work it within families and within our neighborhoods on an overscale. You know, they don't know what's going on. You know, we working while they sitting watching us, thinking they're defeat. Uh uh, we doing this, we breaking this stuff up, you know? So, yeah. Do some, just in closing, it's two things that um, 
Of course, I have to do this. Two things my grandmother told me. She said that sometimes you gotta love. His, uh, she said sometimes you just gotta love the hell out of a person. So that was number one. And she said that you can learn the most from a, you can learn the most from a, a person who doesn't have any money can give the most. The person who learned who didn't go to school might know the most. And the one who was hurt badly, the one who was hurt badly, usually loves the most. So like, so she was like, just pay attention to those because those are the three that people usually cut off. But like those are the ones you could learn and grow the most from because they had they those all three of those relatively started their basement. So everything that's built is built off of those things. They have nothing else to build it off of them. Yep. So you can only do that once you get to know those people. Because you can't always look you might see a homeless person on the street, but I've had some conversations with some smart ass homeless people. Yeah. So it's like <laughs> So I'm like, they didn't choose to be homeless. I mean like they found themselves homeless in a homeless predicament, but you wouldn't know that until you talk to them. So I always say, like, just kind of use that as an opportunity to introduce yourself to somebody and just go, just ask them. I mean, or if somebody sits there and you have free time, if I'm on the train, you know, Keezy for being scared of them, I will talk to your ass. I'll be like, hey, that's all. <laughs> and, 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 and it's like, you just start, you get called, it scares other people. But, but it, 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 totally, it totally helps establish a precedent where you can have something to communicate with them off. And then you easy, it's easier to find that commonality. Yeah, definitely. Anything you guys like to say in closing? Bye. No, no, no. no. I'll say one more thing. It's just like I think Lisa and Jeremy mentioned those three things, like fundamental truths, right? I think that what we read today has some truths, mm -hmm. um, like the, how interconnected we are, like how everything, right? Like the oneness of humanity at a at a at a level that is like. Um, beyond uh, the idea of loving each other, but like a reality, right, that exists. Um, and then this idea of just, the, of transforming our society to a place that it represents that truth. And justice being such a key part to do that. Um, and And then, and therefore, influence, trans, transforming, influencing the whole, whole way in which we act with each other, and then how we, how our society is, is shaped. And I think, I think that sometimes I, I feel like it is like a, a work in progress of continuing to remember and continuing to incorporate. I, I say in my life, in my, I, uh, this ideas in a way that it becomes a reality. And the same with like how, how you were saying, like with the, with the communities, with our with people that are with our group here, with, right, with, with anything we touch and, and, um, and that we come across and therefore that hopefully, right, continue to be ideas that the world embraces eventually. Because I feel like if we embrace those ideas, things will change. Yeah. Um, things will change. There's some things that are happening in the world right now and that we are experiencing and we're living and we're doing that could not if we actually incorporated those truths. Um, yeah, that's, that's all. But I know it's, it's a work.
So when it comes to work in progress, one thing that I've been seeing on community groups on Facebook, people talk of, in the group comment, the group, the people talk a lot about things that we talk about, the way that we talk about them. So I just make offhand comments every now and then when I see these things, oh, you sound like you're talking in meaningful conversations. <laughs> I've never heard meaningful conversations. I've done this quite a few times now when people weren't just seeing them do discussions like we do, and they're like, what? So yeah. I found myself having a lot of people I'm replying to that even this past week, of people were saying, this is what we do, this is what we do. and people were like, where do you do that? So I'm, I'm technological dinosaur, I'm just, I'm just horrible with technology, so I'm, I'm like, I can't give you all the links and everything to do this, but here's what you need to know to be able to go and get involved. And, I, and, there, and then more people come and say, I want to hear more about this. I find myself on links, on replies, telling them, having complete conversations about what we're doing, even this past week. So people out there are finding out. They're not all New Yorkers, believe me. Yeah. Some of them aren't even in this country. I have to go, but thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks so much. So nice to see you after all this time, yeah. man. Nice to be back. Yeah, nice to see you again. We're, we're online, like, um, we're on Zoom uh, three weeks and you know, of the month, and then this second week of every month, we are here. Is the 14th Street and the one, the location of Union no. Square? Is on that the 11th one? Street, that one is, you know, we're not doing it there at oh, this time. Yeah. It's only, in, in the city, it's only happening. Oh, okay. But you're always welcome. Oh, I'm always welcome. Mm -hmm. I'm a big fan of Baha'i. On behalf of New Yorkers, can we thank the people that made the journey to come I overheard it, I was walking around doing dishes and whatnot. Marcus and Myra. Thank you. Thank you. Please uh stick around and um make connections. Have some, uh, have some refreshments. I saw those grapes. Mm. I was oh, yeah. Yeah, the grapes. Oh, <laughs> grapes, the chips, and everything. And y'all may hear us hug at the very end, which y'all need to hear. Oh, hear some love happening. People hugging, people celebrating, just to be, you know, back at it again for the person. <laughs> yeah. So as always, as we like to close, this has been Spiritual Advisory Podcast with Marcus and Myra. Thank y'all for sitting in with us, listening yeah. to us, listening to our family, and just being a part of our lives. Be blessed out there. Peace out. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! Yay. 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 Yay.